This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Hi and welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name is Louise and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First we'll talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help. Then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guests to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. I'm Chrissy. I'm an alcoholic. AA preamble. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Thanks, Chrissy. So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you are an alcoholic, you're at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places, prisons, institutions or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is it is an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet, because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, The alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink, and this is what makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. The program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. 
It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who has just joined us, you are listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. And we're just about to interview an AA member who's going to share their experience with alcoholism. So let's meet our guest. Welcome to the show, Chrissy. Um, if you'd like to, would you like to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Um, uh, would you mind telling us how old you are? I am 60. And how long have you been sober? 29 years and so many months. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> and um, tell us a little bit about your uh, family. You, you, you've got... Um, I haven't got children. I'm married. Um, yeah, but I've, you know, I've got brothers and... And that, yeah, and, nieces um, and nephews. Niece, right, and brought up, um, born and bred in, in Canterbury? Yes, I have. Excellent. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what it was like growing it up, growing up about, uh, you know, about your childhood. Um, I think I had a fairly normal childhood. Um, I went to a primary school that only had 20 pupils around about, and... Yeah, it wasn't too bad. Yeah, I enjoyed my primary school years and growing up. Um, and you mentioned you've got siblings. So yes, yes. And and so uh, I guess, you know, leading into early, teen, early teens and, and adulthood, tell us a little bit about when you started drinking. I can't remember when I started drinking. I think it could be around about when I was about 15 or 16. Mm -hmm. And I had a boyfriend that lived on a farm down the road. Mm -hmm. And we'd go out at night, go out somewhere. And, um, yeah, and just, I don't know, it was Blackberry Nook back then. And <laughs> I hear that a lot. <laughs> stuff and what, what people drink now. And... Um, and then I went flatting when I was 17 and I went to Christchurch um, and, yeah, just... What, I felt, did, what did it do for you as a 15-year-old or as a 17-year-old? When you oh, had that first drink, what did it do for you? Oh, it made me feel like I was bulletproof. made me... All the, thing, all the fears that I had would go away. Mm. And because um, I always felt like I didn't belong, mm -hmm. and um, especially I went from a twenty class, twenty pupil primary school to a don't know how many mm. about nine hundred or more mm. high school. So yeah, it took me a while to yeah to get the fears. A shock yeah. to the system yeah, of of, the of, system. of an adolescent yeah. to a to a to a teen. Yeah. So so you know, tell us a little bit more about your drinking, how it progressed into adulthood. Well, it progressed. Um, sometimes, when I look back now, um, sometimes I didn't know how I was going to behave mm -hmm. once I started drinking. And, yeah, just, I used to get blackouts and I wouldn't know where the car is, car is and I was in unsavoury 
positions as mm. well. Mm. And yeah. But and, and was it was it more of a were you a social drinker or or did you uh, drink alone? A bit of both really mm-hmm. and um oh yeah, I used to used to drink and then it'll be go to a party or something and and then I can't remember what happened the next mm. day. Mm. And we were, um, friends and myself would um, fill in the blanks, you know, and, and we always kept saying, oh, well, it must have been a, a good party if we can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but then as the years got on, I um, felt ashamed and felt, you know, um, that I couldn't remember. And did you at any point think this isn't normal or or this is a problem and maybe I need to do something about it? I did, but then had a drink and then it would go away. Yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. Like I know my uncle and my grandfather were alcoholics. Right. So I knew it was in the family. And sure. I knew you can get it hereditary. And... Um, yeah, it wasn't until later on in my 20s that I had more problems with the blackouts and things. So let's let's talk about that, you know, with some of the consequences. Did you have any, um, you know, problems with jobs, trouble with the law? No, none of that really. Um, I guess I was a high-functioning <laughs> alcoholic, <laughs> what they call them these days. And, um, yeah, but things happened to me a bit as well. Like when I was 20, my flat burnt down. I lost everything. And and then my mother passed away. Mm. And then two years later, my sister passed away. Mm-hmm. And all that, you know, I cope by drinking. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. yeah, so. And they, I mean, that's some, some major life events. And, um what was the relationship like with the rest of your family? Um, it was okay. Um, it's not... I still felt like I didn't belong mm. because they were all married and got and got children, mm. got grandchildren now. And, um, you know, I got married when I was 35 mm-hmm. and haven't, you know, got children. Mm. But mm. today I'm quite close to my family. Sure, it, sure. And that is because I was in hospital three years ago and I nearly died. So, yeah. So that that brings us nicely, I guess, onto you know what was it that we often describe uh, in AA as our our rock bottom? What was it that um, that that brought you to to that place? Yeah, I was living with my partner at the time and. He worked at Air New Zealand. I worked in uh, Papanui Way, Redwood Papanui. And on a Friday night, I had drinks and stuff at the club, whatever it's called. Anyway, I'd I'd drink with some of my friends at like the Redwood Hotel, and then I'd go through to where my partner was mm-hmm. and that. And, of course, it was free drinks if he was behind the bar <laughs> and stuff, so... Yeah, the, one of the one of the times, the next morning, I said, "Oh, what? Who drove mm. last night?" 
Mm. And he says, don't you remember? I said, no, don't remember. He said, oh, you've got a problem. And um, anyway, I thought about it and um, I rang AA the next, no, it must have been the following, on a Monday it must have been because I was mm. um, at work and um, and the lady I talked that rung me back, she says, look, I'm going to a meeting tonight if you want to come. And, no, it must have been before that, yeah. And I, I'm i going to a meeting the next night if you want to come. And I said, well, I will, but we're going to the coast for a week. Got a week off. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I'm sure she didn't expect to hear back from me. Yeah, I had a bit of drinking over at the coast and then came back and, um, yeah, I, I came into AA. And and so tell us about that first meeting or the or the first couple of meetings. What was it like and and what were the other the people at the meeting like to you? Um oh, a lot of encouragement. I finally felt like I belonged somewhere. There there were people like me. People um told part of their stories and I could re- really relate. Really relate. Yeah. Yeah. So you heard your story. Yeah. And um, and so tell me how how did your recovery and your sobriety progress from there? Um, yeah, well, it was funny. I um, was still living with the same partner, and <laughs> I played. I used to play hockey, and at the hockey club. And if you're player of the day, you'd you'd receive either half a dozen cans of beer or a <laughs> bottle of wine <laughs> and because I re- was reasonably early in sobriety and I thought oh I don't know what to do because my partner says oh just give me the beers and um, I thought no I earned it you didn't <laughs> 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 uh, so uh, yeah laugh about it now but yeah it was such a big dilemma mm. but um, yeah learning to live within yeah, within society, yes, is yeah, and and so did you stay sober from the first time that you came into recovery? No, I came in on the May, and then I had a resentment, which was the fourteenth of August, and I walked around different bottle stores and <coughs> didn't buy anything, and I got home there were two cans of beer in the fridge, so I. Uh, Scull one can, start drinking the other, and then poured the rest down the sink. Wow! Because I knew it wasn't the answer. Wow! And um, haven't had a drink since. That's amazing. It was in '92, August '92. Yeah. And so, so tell us, what are some of the things that you've done to ensure your sobriety since '92? Tell us about what well, that went, looks like. I went treatment in Hamna, mm-hmm. and. Um, Oh, that was really, really good. I was having trouble with one of the steps and I, um, you had to do these steps before you were allowed out at Hamna. And, you know, instead of having excuses to do it, I started doing it. And, um, yeah, it, and also in Hamna, it, uh, there was family week. Mm-hmm. And my dad said, oh, 
And my dad was alive and said, oh, I'll come for one night. Mm-hmm. And then my um, oh, counsellor or whatever she was said, I'll, I'll tell her he needs to come for two nights. We end up coming for three Wow! in the end. So, And we started talking, which we never used to do, mm. really. Mm. So some of the gifts of, yeah. of this programme. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, so talk to us about you mentioned the steps, and so we, you know, we talk about AA as a twelve-step program. Yeah. How important have they been to you? Oh, very important. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, I'd drink again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And um, uh, sponsorship. Yes, I've got a sponsor, and I've had a sponsor most of the time. That and, I... and what's that done for you? How's that helped you? I've been able to see a different perspective mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, sometimes my thinking's not the best. <laughs> <laughs> and so having having someone to be able to um, to talk to in those yeah, times. and relate to. And, Absolutely. Yes, yeah. And um, uh, so, so what are some of the things you do when life on life's terms presents itself? How do you cope with those difficulties? I try to take a step back and and relax. Um, talk it over if I need to, to my sponsor or to my husband. And, um, yeah, just one day at a time. Mm. I only have to do it for today. And we talk about service as a um, a way of... Um, obviously, keeping AA running, um, but also as a, a, a an important part of our own journey and our own recovery. What does that look like for you? Oh, I've done lots of service over the years. <laughs> I've been secretary of a meeting. I've been a GSR. Actually, I'm a GSR now. Um, I used to do the public information um, coordinator job. Yeah, it's service helps me get back into the hub of AA yep. and to help me stay sober. Get in the middle of the yeah, bed. Yeah, get in, yeah. <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, we talk about AA as being a spiritual program, not a religious program. Mm. What does that look like for you? I pray to God and my definition of God is good orderly direction mm. and um, or group of drunks. Mm-hmm. And at first it was just the um, meetings that were sure. my higher power. And now you, I've got what my higher power is today. And I forget, though, I've got mm. to be reminded to ask God and pray about what's happening, yeah. And so on a daily, daily basis, daily, basis, yes. a daily reprieve. Yeah. And um, how would you describe your life today? Oh, uh, my life today, COVID's here. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Um, I have not a bad life. Um Go to meetings, usually go to one or two a week. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and some of them are on Zoom at the moment too, which is quite good. 
and um, yeah, and I I work a normal job, mm-hmm. and yeah, just. And your relationships with your family? Oh, they're a lot better. Yeah, you yeah. mentioned that earlier. Yeah. yeah, they all came down for my sixtieth in December. How wonderful! So yeah, all came up, should say yeah. And and I guess your your mental health and that feeling of not fitting in that you described as an early adult or as a child. How has that changed? Oh. Well, I learned in Hamna, you walk through fear with God. Mm-hmm. So um, the only thing I've got fearful is getting COVID <laughs> because I'm high risk and um, I really don't want to go back to hospital. So, <laughs> 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 so yeah, I'm sort of trying to do what I can, but not, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. But that's Life's a long way from being fearful of oh, yeah. life and of drinking. And, um, yeah, that's just wonderful. Um, so what would you recommend for anyone out there that's listening who thinks they may have a drinking problem? What are some of the questions they could ask themselves to help them decide? Um do you drink in the mornings? Do you? How do you feel after you've been mm. drinking? And if you start, can you stop? Mm. And you know, I couldn't stop. Mm. And yeah, it was just at the beginning. It was just normal mm. to drink, but yeah, then it came abnormal. <laughs> yeah, and you obviously had a, a knowledge of AI. You knew AI existed. You knew about alcoholism. Yes. Um, you know what are some um, you know what are some of the things that people out there could potentially do um, to to help them take that first step into recovery or getting help. Well, they could ring the oh eight hundred number. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what it is now, and and also their partners or could ring Alanon as well mm-hmm. and have a talk to somebody or go on to the website mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah we, we are so lucky there's so many resources yeah. out there yeah yeah well chrissy thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with us no problem it's been lovely thanks so for our listeners if you've related to anything that you've heard or would like some more information about alcoholics anonymous You can look us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz, as Chrissy mentioned, or you can call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely that there's one near you. Join us next week to hear from more AA members sharing their experiences. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30pm on Plains FM and repeats again on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past shows on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business. But if you want to stop, we can help. You don't have to do it alone. 
We will now close the show with the serenity prayer as we do in every AA meeting. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9. 